these to the Gospel of John and chapter 10, please. Gospel of John and chapter 10. Gospel of John and chapter 10. John chapter 10, and let's begin our reading from verse 11. I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is a harling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The harling fleeth, because he is a harling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Another sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore again, Amongst, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a, have a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. Shall we have a word of prayer before we look at the scriptures together? Lord, we want to thank you for the truth of your word. We want to thank you that it is nourishment to us. And we are asking you, Lord, this day that you would be gracious to speak your word into our innermost beings. Lord, we acknowledge without the anointing 
and enabling of the Spirit of God, we are left with our own efforts. And Lord, we want to say, we, in all truth, Lord, we don't want to be left to our own devices this morning for the speaking or the hearing of the word. But rather we ask, Lord, that you would anoint the speaking of your word and the hearing of our ear, that we may discern what the Spirit is saying to every one of us, that none of us would go away deaf to what you have said, blind to your purposes, hardened in our hearts to your counsel. Lord, we know it's a wonderful thing to hear your word, but also a fearful thing. For once we've heard, and yet, having received light, turn away from what we've received, we're doubly accountable. And so, Lord, we ask you that you would deliver us from hardening our hearts to your word, but rather help us, Lord, to have hearts that are receptive, soft, genuine, and, Lord, those that desire to please you. We want to acknowledge, Lord, we can't work it up. Lord, I know I can't work it up. None of us can. We're bereft of anything without your initiating power. So please, would you help us? And we will give you all the praise and the glory for hearing this, our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, um, as, we, as we come to this time around the word of the Lord together, I just want to share with you that it's been the burden of my heart just over this last week. I feel the Lord's laid it on my heart for us particularly to look at this verse 27 of the passage that we just have read. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. That's the real burden of my heart, to, as it were, unpack this verse by the grace of God this morning. Now, it's very interesting that one of the hallmarks of a true child of God, born of the Spirit, is that they hear the voice of the shepherd. It's a definition. Jesus says, my sheep hear. My sheep hear my voice. And yet, we hear people saying all kinds of things that they believe they've heard from the Lord, and you're left scratching your head, wondering who they've been hearing from at times. Do you understand what I mean? And we can all be like this to a degree. We all can be misled if we're not careful. But the truth of the matter is, if we're truly born again of the Spirit of God, God has done a work within us to enable us to hear His voice. Do you know the Lord Jesus when He was on the earth? There's a number of times he'd finish a discourse to those who were hearing him. And he wouldn't say, now every one of you respond to what I'm saying. He would say to them, he who has an ear, let him hear. And then he would walk off. 
Amazing, isn't it? How many of us have an ear to hear the voice of the shepherd? And how many of us realize that this is a definition of a true child of God? Your ear has been opened to hear the voice of the Lord. Not only that, but the scripture goes on to say, not only do they hear the Lord, but Jesus said, my sheep follow me. So the true flock of God is, is not defined by merely coming to a service or being among the Lord's people. Now hear me. We are not defined as Christians merely by believing a creed or a certain doctrine. You are a Christian if God has come into your life and you've been born again of the Spirit. That's what makes a Christian. And when you're born again of the Spirit, you have heard the voice of the Lord. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then begin to question where you stand with the Lord. And don't be afraid to question where you stand with the Lord. Don't be afraid to question where you stand with the Lord. Because it's too important to run away from the matter and to bury our heads and say, but everybody thinks I'm a Christian, but I don't know what he's talking about. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you. In fact, it doesn't matter at all what I think of you either. All that matters is what God thinks of you. My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. In other words, they respond to the call. There's an effective calling upon you. You hear the voice of the true shepherd. And not only do you hear it and discern it, but because you discern that is the true shepherd, you follow him. Do you see what I mean? You see what I mean? It's a matter of a following after now, this is so important for us to realize, friends, because we have lowered the understanding of what a true Christian is to merely assenting to certain truths and saying yes to them, and then automatically feeling we are clearly through to salvation. No, no, no. Let's get back to book, or the books, the library. This is what God says in his word. I'm not trying to upset you. I quite like you. You're very nice people. And... Uh, I'm not trying to in any way uh, undermine any true conversion of God. But dear friends, if you've been truly born again of the Spirit, what I'm saying won't shake you. <laughs> but if you're not, it will. My sheep. Here, when you're born again of the Spirit, you discern the voice of the Lord. Not audibly. It's not as though you can literally hear the voice of the Lord audibly, though some people have had testimony that they've heard audible voices or an audible voice of the Lord speaking to them. I'm not saying that the Lord cannot do that in a dramatic way. But normally, there's a hearing spiritually. You perceive within your spirit. You see, your spirit 
God's spirit witnesses with your spirit that you're a child of God. And it's in the realm of your spirit that you hear the Lord speaking to you. You read the word of God, which is God's love letter to his people and a word of God to all creation. And he speaks this word to us. And as we read it, if the book is dead to you, if the book is sealed to you, if you have no understanding of what the scriptures are saying, then begin to say, why? Lord, is this book closed to me? Why can't I hear your voice? Now notice also within this particular passage, the scriptures say, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now this is a marvelous thing, isn't it? We often say to one another, do you know the Lord? Or you might say to another person you meet and you wonder whether they're a believer, a Christian. And you say, do you know the Lord? Which is a marvelous thing. Of course we have to speak like this. We'd say, do you know him as a person? But an even greater thing is, does God know you? You know, you and I can say all kinds of things about God, but the question is, does the Lord know me? Am I known by God? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. The Lord is the one who has absolute knowledge over all those who are in his flock. Now, if you be born again of the Spirit this morning, that should give you tremendous encouragement. Up to now, I've brought a bit of a challenge, but let me interject it with a bit of encouragement for you as well. The fact is, if you're born again of the Spirit, the Lord knows you by name. He called you by name. This is an amazing thing. The Lord doesn't see your face in a, in a thousand or million seas of people. He sees you individually. He called you individually. He said to you, um, my son, follow me, didn't he? Or my daughter, follow me. It may not have been those exact words, but you understand what I'm saying. He said to you personally, follow me, didn't he? Well, some of you did. Oh, good. Yes, thank you. Did the Lord effectively call you? You see, my sheep hear and follow. This is an important thing for us to realize within the Word of God. Hearing of itself isn't divine hearing from God in one sense. When God calls you and says, follow me, you hear and respond. Do you understand? You hear and respond. Do you remember when Jesus, I often think about how amazing it was when Jesus went by the sea and he saw the disciples and he said, follow me. And they just did. Isn't it amazing? Don't you think that's incredible? I mean, you're a, you've been doing this all your life with the nets, doing the fishing. This is your life. You need the money. You need everything. And then comes this man along your path and he says, Simon, follow me. And he just does. Why did you take up the call of God? Can you understand it? When the Lord called you, he called you in order that you leave all and follow him. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you give up your job. But it means you give up your own soul's aspirations. They die. You have, not only you realize that Christ has died for you, but you died with Christ. When you're born again of the Spirit, you're placed into his death. And the life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you 
and die for you. You're dead. Your old life is gone. Now, this is the calling of God. He says, come and follow me. Take up your cross. Now, who fancies that? Listen to me. If you knew what it meant to take up a cross, naturally, you would run from that. The only, people, the only reason people run to big theatres and big sports arenas to hear preachers is because they say you can have the life you've got and still get to heaven. It's a lie. But they believe it. And they go to hear it. Who's going to go and hear? Come to the Lord Jesus and take up your cross. Nobody, naturally. Naturally speaking, you don't want to do it. And some of you, one or two of you, even this morning, you're here, but you don't want to commit your life to the Lord. You want to live your own life. You want to do it your way. Who is this king anyway that he should reign over me? I want to live my own life. I know best. I'm only here because so-and-so is here or whatever like that. All that kind of talk. You see, God, hasn't, God needs to do something in your heart to see it. And only then will you repent. And oh, what a fearful thing it is to find yourself in a position where you're untouched. Then you have to call on God and say, now Lord, I need you to do something in my heart. There's no way you're going to take up your cross, friends. But what if Jesus comes to you? We sung this morning, only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. Not by human endeavor. You'll never get through the doors of eternity by human endeavor. To make your own effort or your own form of Christianity is to utterly deny the power of the cross. God won't accept that. Only by grace can we stand. Not by a human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. Into your presence you call us. This is the truth of it. This is the call of God. Is not just simply, why don't you come over and follow me? It's come. And with the Lord speaking out his word and your name, there's something that he does in you that changes you all about and gives you a desire to come near to God. This is what it says in Psalm 65. Listen to this. How blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach your throne. And you really thought, didn't you, some of us, it was all because we desired to follow the Lord. That little desire in your heart and my heart for God was planted there by the Lord. In order that we could even want to come near him. You only hear because God decided to give you a hearing. And with his giving you a hearing, he spoke to you. And your heart softened to his voice. But people hear sermons and their hearts are untouched. Oh, friends, we should pray. We should pray that when people's hearts are hard, let's not get into trying to make Jesus presentable to modern natural ears. But let's make, pray that God will make men's hearts soft to the receiving of the true Jesus. That's what we need.
But what kind of voice are we saying Jesus has these days? We need to be careful in these days that we're hearing the true Jesus, the true voice, the voice that affects our hearts and draws us nigh to God. The conviction that comes by the Spirit of God where we're cut to the heart and we say, what must I do to be saved? I've heard. God is speaking to me. God is shaking me. There's a fear in me of where I'm going to spend eternity. It was never there before. And all the danger of even hearing messages like this so glibly. And we can just say, well, I'll just get to the end of this sermon. And then subconsciously we say, I'll just clear out what has been said. And just get back to my old way of life. But God sees the heart. It is inescapable now. We've been in this sermon too long now. It's inescapable for us to have having heard, not to ask God that he might change our hearts if we're not born again of the Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, there may be, it may be that there's those among us you sense you want to be able to have a soft heart, but you haven't got one. The truth of the matter is, none of us have. None of us have soft hearts towards God naturally. That's what I'm talking about. The effectual calling of God over towards a sinner is something that God does in the heart. What we need is a heart transplant. We need the great physician to come and deal with the great hardness of our hearts. We don't even realize we've got hard hearts until God begins to deal with us. We're deceived by the malady, by the sinfulness, by the, by the ugliness of our own sin. And we live in it, we don't even realize. We're calloused, hard, impenetrable. Unless God brings the hammer of his word and shatters us to repentance. Some of us need shattering sometimes. We are so hard. We are so hard. And only God can break hardness. But thank God, dear friends, that he breaks the curse of the hard heart and gives us hearts of flesh. Gives us hearts of flesh. The fishermen were not weak men, friends. These fishermen, in the, these disciples, these men that followed Jesus, they were not weaklings. They were hard. And Jesus knew who he had to call. And he said their names. And something in them, isn't it amazing? Touched their hearts and they left all. And a little later on they say, Lord, see, we have left all. And Jesus promised them that in eternity, the reward would be unparalleled for having left all to follow him. We need to hear. But it's not just the hearing for the new birth. We, as we have come into salvation, if we be born again of the Spirit of God, we need to cultivate 
the hearing ear. You've then got a spiritual organ, so to speak, which God has put within you to be able to respond to God. But our problem is our lives are so cluttered with things that we fill the room with things and our hearing gets clogged up. We need our ears circumcised, cut. Oh, friends, think of it in the book of Revelation. Think God is speaking to churches, and he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Are you somebody who discerns the voice of the Lord? That by which I mean this, if you know and love the Lord, are you in living relationship with Him? Or have you reduced your Christianity purely down to definitions of what a Christian should be? Where everything becomes theoretical and it's just purely head knowledge. Or are you living with the Lord? Are you walking with Him? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They go with me. Jesus said, where I am, there my servant will be also. A true sheep follows the call of the shepherd. And he doesn't say, I really don't fancy going this way, my shepherd. I think we're going the wrong way. Let's go over here. Could you imagine a sheep who knows the shepherd's voice ever doing such a thing? But, but, we find in one of the Gospels, we have a wandering sheep that goes astray. In fact, in one of the Gospels, the wandering sheep is an unbeliever. In the other Gospel, it's a backslidden believer. But the shepherd leaves the 99. Not to go after every other sheep on the mountainside that he can find. But to go after the one that is truly his. I'm not making this up, friends. This is what the Word of God says. Check me out on it. He goes after them. Why should the shepherd go after the wandering? It's amazing. But you know, in the days of the Lord Jesus, the way that shepherds used to deal with sheep that went astray is that they would grab them and they'd actually break their leg. And the sheep would no doubt squeal. I think I would. The shepherd breaks his own sheep's leg and then quickly bandages the leg very, very carefully and tenderly. And when the sheep has received that chastisement from the shepherd, the sheep will not go off again. <laughs> That's what would happen. Why does the Lord discipline you? 
Because you went off in another direction, maybe. Because he wants to keep you close to himself. Because he wants you. And because he's called you. And because you are one. If be born of the Spirit, the Father has given to his Son. Now, isn't this amazing? When you consider yourself in the matter of salvation from the perspective of heaven. From heaven. You realize that your salvation is not simply, I have decided to follow Jesus. Your salvation came about as the Father gave you to the Son. And called you by name. I love the fact that the Lord in Isaiah chapter 43 speaks of his own people. And he speaks of Israel. And he says to them in this marvelous passage in Isaiah 43. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. If you're born again of the Spirit, brother, you're a new creation, aren't you? You're created by God. It says in Psalm 100, we did not make ourselves. Right? We are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2. The Lord has created you. He's made you a new creature in Christ. You are his. Born again. Old things have passed away. Everything. Everything has become new. Not some things. Not most things. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. And translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. You've been placed by the Father in the Son. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That rhymed, didn't it? (laughs) And God got a hold of you. You're a new creation in him. Very well. What does it go on to say? But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, O dear. Why doesn't the Scripture say that created thee, O Israel? Israel, in a sense, is the converted Jacob. But it just shows you that God chose Israel when Israel was Jacob. And you remember what happened with Jacob. He played games with God, but in the end, the Lord had the final word. And the Lord wrestled with him and wrestled self-emptiness out of Jacob. And then the morning came. Jacob had been changed completely by God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The last thing you read about Jacob is in the book of Hebrews, where the scriptures say, by faith, he was leaning on his staff, blessing his sons. Here's a man who wanted the blessing all for himself. It was me. I want, I'll have. And God had already chosen Jacob before Jacob became Israel. And there's coming a day, one day, when the nation of Israel will one day be wrestled by the Lord again and will become spiritual Israel. What a day that will be. Nothing less than being raised from the dead. 
This is what God is going to do with Israel. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In other words, without repentance. He goes on to say in this verse, And he that formed thee, O Israel, he chose and created Jacob and formed him into Israel. He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have, what does it say? Called thee by name. What does that mean? What does that mean? It says so in the next three words. If God has called them by name, they are his. When thou passest through the waters, it doesn't say if you pass through, you're going to pass through. Away with this nonsense of easy believism Christianity that has utterly distorted the gospel. This health, wealth and prosperity gospel. That there says you should be rich, no problem should be in your life. And the Lord's saying when you pass through the waters, not if you pass through them. When you pass through them, what does he say? I will be with you. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. Oh, dear friends, these are promises all towards the people of God, towards Israel, but towards believers as well. Towards those that are called by God. You're going to go through things. There'll be refining. There'll be difficulty. There'll be hardship. It's not fun to walk through fire. But notice what he says. Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. I remember speaking to David Donovan one time. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this with you. But we were together and we were having lunch together. And David was sharing with me how he relived every day that he was on that um, raft, having been kidnapped by these gang members. He relives every so often, he relives every day of that captivity. And you know, some of you, what he went through. He just goes through it again to remind himself of what God has done. I said to David, there's a lot of people that could not do that. He said to me, no, I said to him, you haven't got the smell of burning on you at all, David. He said, no, there's no smell of burning. There's no burning. Isn't that amazing? But that's when God takes you through. You come out the other end with gold, silver, and precious stones. But it's costly. But if you're willing to go the Lord's way, and believe me, there'll be many tears shed, but somehow in your innermost being, there will be a joy because you know you're walking beside the Savior. You're going to feel alone. You're going to feel abandoned. You're going to feel betrayed at times. Things will be difficult. If you walk with Jesus, things are always difficult because this world hates Jesus Christ. Don't be mistaken. The world hates the Lord Jesus. Because the world is under the God of this world, the devil himself. And the devil's out to destroy every testimony of Jesus Christ. That's his aim. That's his desire. He won't fulfill it. But that's what he's after. 
If you walk with Jesus, there's times when you'll be alone. But those times when things are hardest can be some of the most precious times you will experience in your walk with God. The fruit is not on the mountaintop. It's in the valley. It's in the valley. And God takes his people that way. God takes his people that way. If your Christianity is all fun and games and sport and ease and well-being and the world loves you, we have to ask, what kind of Jesus have you come to? When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God. The Lord does everything, friends. He calls my sheep here and they follow me. Isn't that a wonderful statement? If you're somebody who's born again of the Spirit of God, you may feel that you haven't come very far in the area of hearing his voice. Certainly when we're born again of the Spirit, we're just starting out, aren't we? It doesn't mean that the shepherd is not our shepherd. But we're starting out in the things of God. There's a, but what we've got to do is ask the Lord to cultivate our hearing, to enable us to discern his voice more readily, to be those that want to hear him. Do you understand this? It's so important that we desire to cultivate spiritually an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. I think of Eli. Do you remember that time when the Lord called Samuel and he heard the voice, but because Samuel didn't know God, he went to Eli thinking it was Eli. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And the Lord speaks to Samuel again. And Samuel gets up and he goes to Eli. And Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And it happens a third time. And then Samuel again hears the voice of the Lord and he goes to Eli. And Eli suddenly realizes maybe the Lord's speaking to Samuel. But Eli was the high priest. But it took him to the third time before he realized God was in this. And we can become dull of hearing. As Christians, as Christians, dull of hearing. We're too busy doing we can't afford to listen to the Lord. Now, I may be sounding sarcastic. Will you forgive me for that? But we act as though that is the reality of our lives. I'm far too busy to hear from the Lord. I need to do his work. Do you understand what I mean? The most important thing in the service of God and in the work of God is an ear to hear what the Lord is saying. If you don't hear the Lord, you can end up doing the work of the Lord for the Lord and bringing in things to the house of God that reap all kinds of confusion and death. But if we hear from God, the work will be blessed. You see how important it is that we discern what the Spirit is saying. Please turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3. And this is the introduction of Solomon into the service of being king.
1 Kings chapter 3, and I want to read from verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Oh, wow, what a thing for God to do. He's saying to Solomon in a dream, What would you like me to do for you? Wonder what we would all say if the Lord gave us such a blank canvas. Then he goes on to say this. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, Neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honour, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. What a statement that is, isn't it? This is all in a dream. And the Lord comes to Solomon and says to him, ask of me what you want. Solomon says something interesting. He says, give therefore thy servant, in verse 9, an understanding heart. Now in Hebrew, that word is different. It's translated as an understanding heart, but essentially it means a hearing ear. The Hebrew word is shema. The Hebrew word is shema. To hear and to hearken. To hear and to hearken. To hear and to follow. To hear and to follow. Do you see? Essentially, Solomon was asking God to give him an ear to hear what God wanted him to say in how he's to judge the people of God. Now, isn't that amazing? He firstly says, notice his first words over this matter. He says in verse 7, I am but a little child. He shows forth a humility here. 
He's saying, I don't know a lot. I'm but an infant, as it were, if I can put it in spiritual terms. I'm but an infant in the things of God. I don't know a lot. And then he goes on to say, I know not how to go out or to come in. I know not how to go out or to come in. This expression is proverbial for the active conduct of affairs, says Barnes. It basically is talking about how to function as a leader. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I'm an infant. Would you give me an ear to hear and discern what you are saying so that I can judge the people rightly? You say, well, that's got nothing to do with me. I'm not called to be the king of Israel. And I'm not called to judge the people. And I'm certainly not called to this, that, and the other. I don't need this, but you do. Because we're all called to be servants of the Lord. What do you say when an unbeliever comes up and asks you about salvation? Do you simply say, well, this, 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 and this? Or do you ask the Lord for wisdom? Do you ask the Lord for an ear to hear what to say to that person? You can argue with people all the time on the streets if you want. It won't get you very far. Uh, but I have found when somebody will speak with a word from heaven to a particular soul, it totally disarms them. Even the hardest of sinners disarms them. Disarms them. We need to be those dear brothers and sisters that are utterly dependent on God to know how to do our jobs. You say your job isn't important. It's vitally important what you do. There's no such thing as secular work, non-Christian work over here, and spiritual work. Oh, that's what the pastor does. Over here. Okay? There's no such thing. That's Greek mentality. Hebrew thinking is everything is toward God. When you go out and do your job, you're not doing it simply for the boss's sake. You are a servant of Jesus Christ in that workplace in a way that I can't be. In a way that I can't be. You represent the Lord Jesus. And it is my duty and your duty before the, those who profane the name of the Lord to be good in our conduct. Isn't it? In our speech in our actions, and to hear what the Lord would have us say in every, any given situation. Don't think that what you do is superfluous to requirements, as though it's just a little extra on the side. God's in it. God is in it. There's a purpose. And God wants you and I to hear his way in the work. If you don't understand even something in your job, don't say, well, this is just an earthly thing. It's not a spiritual thing. I can't ask God for it. Yes, you can. In the workplace, Lord, how do I handle this particular problem? In the workplace, God's interested. God's for you. You're his sheep. You're his servant in that place. Ask him and say, Lord, give me an ear to hear what you are saying. This is what Solomon did. And oh, the results are amazing, aren't they? And the Lord prospered him. The Lord said, well, because you didn't ask for this, 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 and this, I'm going to give you everything. What does he say? Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. But seek his kingdom first. That's what we've got to do. Well, this Hebrew word Shema, would you turn on with me to Isaiah chapter 55 as we come towards a close. Isaiah chapter 55. And let's read from verse 1. Notice the invitation. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Are you thirsty? Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor... For that which satisfieth not, hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. And so he goes on. But notice this particular statement in verse 2. Hearken diligently unto me. The word hearken diligently is just shema again, but it's twice. Hearken diligently, shema, shema. Twice it's like a double calling for you and I to listen really carefully. What are we to listen to? Unto me, the Lord says. And eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. I think it's so interesting that the Lord says, Why do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? You're spending yourself on things that cannot profit. Spend yourself on me. Wait on me and you'll see where the profit is. Wait upon my word. Wait upon my son. Learn to hear my voice. Discern it. And if you feed on my word, you will live forever. That's what the scripture is saying, isn't it? But how many of us listen, hearken, we have all kinds of noises everywhere today. Try and find a spot where you can't hear a noise. Especially when you've got children. <clears throat> it's quite difficult. But wherever you go, if you go to a shop, there's music going on in the shop. You can be with a trolley in a shop buying food and they've got music going on. Why do they need music going on for me putting a trolley through the aisles with some awful pop music pumping through the thing. I sort of think, what's the point of it? But there has to be a noise. We have to have something over our ears. <laughs> we have to have some noise because if we have some noise, we can drown out our conscience calling to us. Oh, yes. But we also can drown out the voice of the Lord. Are you hearing God? You say, I, I'm trying to. Wait on Him. Wait on the Lord. Listen for Him. Stretch your ear. Strain it to hear. Say, Lord, open your word to me. Bring it to me. 
Oh, why do we spend money for that which is not bread and labor for what does not satisfy? Come, come aside. Remember, dear friends, God is love. He only has good for you. Are you so deceived by the devil that you think he'd give you good? He'd give you sensual satisfaction for a day and you'll reap the consequences. Do not be deceived. What a man sows, that will he reap. It's irrevocable. You can't stop yourself reaping the, 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 the result of sin if you sow to it. And you can argue with me and I'll argue back to you. It doesn't make any difference. It will happen. And if you want to try and prove me wrong, go ahead, it will happen. The most miserable people at the end of their lives are those that sowed to sin in it. I've yet to meet a Christian on their last days, disappointed, disillusioned, darkened in their eyes and their hearts, fed up about the way they're living. I've yet to meet one that didn't sow to the Spirit that hasn't reaped the rewards before they've even got to heaven. And I've known a few. Brothers and sisters, this is so important. If there's things in our lives that are in the way of us listening to God and we think they're important, dear friends, just put them aside. I'm not talking about negating upon our responsibility as parents, as children, as those who work. And I've already said the importance of how we act at work. But the importance of spending time to hear not only just to ask God questions, but to say to the Lord, how do you see this? Do you see what I mean? So important. Let me come towards the end. Genesis chapter 16. We've got to make sure we don't listen to the wrong voices. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him no, no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my handmaid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Did you notice that? Hearkened, Shema listened, took it in. Now, nine times out of ten, I really do think that it pays off for us as husbands to listen to our wives. I do think very often we can be those that don't get the messages. We're a little bit slow as men, you know, to pick up the messages or whatever it is that our wives are trying to share with us. And then sort of like a few weeks down the line, we sort of think, Oh, that's what she meant, or whatever like that, you know. And um, we don't really pick up the signals very well. And often the advice and counsel of our wives, nine times out of, or nine and a half if you want to be generous, out of ten is right. You know, it's good. Isn't it, brothers? Not the sisters, don't answer at this point, please. But Abraham should not have listened to his wife on this occasion. <laughs> this was the other half. This was the one time where he shouldn't have hearkened. And unfortunately, he did. What does it say? And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarah, Abraham, and Sarah Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, 
after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. Who are you listening to? Abraham, who are you listening to? We need to be careful that we don't simply, at the plea of another person, accept what they've said because what they feel they've said is the right thing to do. Are you with me? Hmm? They may say, well, I've heard from God. You've got this problem. You need to do this. You need to do that. We need to make sure that we're not listening to the wrong voices. Because if we listen to the wrong verse and think, oh, God's just telling me to do this, that, or the other, without any careful praying into it, we can end up creating an Ishmael. <laughs> oh, what a danger this will bring. Do you want to really do that? Abraham, later on in chapter 18, pleaded with God and said, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And the Lord said, Ah, oh, bless Ishmael, but no, he's not the chosen one. But through Isaac shall your seed be blessed. We need to do God's work God's way. And when we try and think, well, I think I've got a good idea, and we haven't listened to what God is saying, and we hearken to another voice, we're in danger of bringing things into the house of God that are not of God. That's why it's so important, dear brothers and sisters, when we come to pray together, we're not simply coming to tell the Lord what our problems are. We're coming to Shema. We're coming to hear and hearken. What do you want us to do, Lord? What is on your heart? What is your way for the fellowship in this? And having us come together and pray together means that we can get a corporate witness, which is good for us. It means we need to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Anyone might get a burden from God, and then we all sense this is of God in our spirits. We all need to submit to that, if it be of God. But we need to hear we need our ears anointed. Do you remember the high priests? He had to have blood put on the right ear and on the, and on the right big toe. The blood speaks of the work of Calvary and cleansing and purifying us. Purifying what we hear, purifying what we do with our hands, and where we walk with our feet. But you'll find if you read a little bit more in the Word of God that not only the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe were covered with blood, they were also covered with anointing oil. And the priest would have to have the oil placed upon his right ear, right thumb, and right... Big toe. An anointing to hear. An anointing from God to walk. An anointing from God to work. It all has to come from Him. You say, there's not a lot left in this for, my, for the praise of my own soul, though. You're getting the message. Praise the Lord. So am I. Right. We need to make sure we don't create any Ishmaels. Amen? Okay, so we'll retire that. We'll park the Ishmaels. 
and try and get back to the Lord and hear his voice and what he has to say to us. Okay. Don't err, friends, from hearing what God is saying to you. Just stick with his voice. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Don't listen to the wrong words. They cause you to err. Going back to Abraham again. Listen, hearken unto me. And I want to tell you, when the Lord requires things of you, he'll give you all the grace and all the power and all the ability to fulfill what God has called you to. But be it from self and, and out from ourselves, there will be trouble in the end. We don't want it, do we? So, brothers and sisters, don't be afraid. Don't listen to those that would turn your eyes in wrong directions and your feet in wrong paths. We need the Lord to open our ears. And once again, for us to wait on God with the Scriptures open and say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. I want to hear what you are saying. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. You're known by the Lord. And they follow me. Not me, but the Lord. We follow no man, but the man, Christ Jesus. He is your shepherd. If you're born again of the Spirit, you're in the flock of God. Purchased, bought, redeemed, set apart. Now let me ask you, are you following him? Are you responding to him? Friends, the Lord will lead you all the way. You won't find the shepherd taking you down a blind alley. He'll take you all the way to the glorious gates of heaven. All the way, my Savior leads me. What have I to ask besides? Can I doubt his tender promise? Who through years have been my guide? That's the God that we serve. Don't follow the stranger. Don't follow the one that comes in by another way. Only follow the good shepherd. He only knows the way to heaven. And believe me, if you're in his flock, he will get you there. All you and I have to do is hear and follow. May the Lord add his blessing to the message this morning. Amen. Lord, we want to thank you that you are such a great God who has done us no harm. You have done us no harm, Lord, all the days of our life. Even when you've corrected us and it's been painful, you have done us no harm. Lord, your injury is unto healing. Your injury is always unto us being more in the way. We thank you so much. 
we can say, all the way my Savior leads me. And we don't need anything besides Thee. Thank You, Lord, there's no need for any form of crutches in the Christian walk. You are utterly reliable, even the weakest saint. Lord, if they lean on You, is as immovable as the strongest saint that leans on You. It's You who's immovable, Lord, and absolutely faithful. Lord, be with us as we part. Help us, Lord, to have good fellowship together in our conversation together. Fill us with the Holy Spirit that what we bring to one another will bless one another. And we ask, Lord, that our conversation would be pleasing to you. Lord, for all those who couldn't make it today, we ask that, Lord, you would bless them and keep them and cause your hand to rest upon them. We thank you for this, our time together, and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you all so much for being with us today, and the Lord willing, see you in the week.